Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Propaganda Watch. And this week, we're going to start in a most unexpected location, namely the garden, to learn about the history of the potato. Yes, the humble potato. You may not know it, but actually there is an interesting history about the salvaging of the potato's culinary reputation in France, and what we can learn from that story about how to get people to desire things they otherwise would not desire is quite instructive. So let's set the table uh, for today's uh, lecture by talking about the introduction of the potato to Europe by the Spaniards, of course, who brought it back from the New World in the 16th century. And throughout the 16th and 17th century, the potato gradually spread throughout Europe. And in some places, it was better received than others. For example, in France, it was not particularly well received. It was regarded as little more than hog food, unpalatable for human consumption. And in fact, by 1748, the French parliament had actually outlawed the cultivation of the potato because they believed it was the cause of leprosy, amongst other diseases. So uh, it did not enjoy a very good reputation in France, and in fact, people definitely were not eating it in mid-18th century France. But a funny thing happened during the Seven Years' War. Uh, an army uh, pharmacist by the name of Antoine Augustin Parmentier... Does that name mean anything to you? If you're a cook, it might. Uh, oh, he was captured by the Prussians during the course of the Seven Year War, and as a Prussian prisoner, he was forced to eat the Prussian diet, which included potatoes, the dreaded potato. Uh, and in fact, that's another interesting thing. Just as the French parliament can outlaw the cultivation of the potato, you would be a criminal if you tried to grow a potato in 1750s France. Well, actually, the exact flip side of the coin in Prussia, where King Frederick II had mandated the cultivation of the potato. All peasants had to cultivate potatoes under the reign of King Frederick II. So government can tell you what you have to do, what you cannot do, what you have to eat, what you cannot eat. <laughs> and it's uh, literally just walking across an imaginary line on a map <laughs> makes that difference. Anyway, uh, so as a Prussian prisoner, Parmentier was forced to eat potatoes and found well, actually, humans can eat potatoes. I, maybe I've been lied to all my life. <laughs> and in fact, that information served him well when he got back to France after the war, and he was doing studies and came up with the idea of using potatoes to feed uh, patients who were suffering from dysentery. And that idea was not only accepted and lauded and actually won him a prize, but it gained enough acceptance that, in fact, the ban on potato cultivation was lifted in 1772, due in no small part to the, uh, the, the part that Parmentier played in making, it, uh, making at least the medical and scientific community aware that potatoes really were fit for human consumption. But then there was a problem. Okay, the peasants are now allowed to cultivate potatoes, but no one wanted to. Again, it was still regarded essentially as hog feed, which I find interesting because I was actually, true story, on my way to buy this particular potato for this particular video. Yes, <laughs> don't say I don't do anything for you guys. I bought a potato for this video. <laughs> and actually for no particular reason, I was walking through the produce section of the local supermarket and uh, walked past the apples to get my apple of the earth, the pomme de terre. 
as uh, the French say, don't worry, folks. I, uh, I did take 10 years of French lessons, so don't try this at home unless you are similarly well qualified. But yes, the pomme de terre, the apple of the earth, which is such a beautiful thing. It makes you sound like, oh, of course, I want to eat the apple of the earth. But apparently not. The French were not having it. They did not want potatoes. Even though they were allowed to grow them, no one wanted them. Parmentier, for whatever bizarre reason, really, really, really wanted the French to eat potatoes. <laughs> so he went on a campaign of sorts to get the potato accepted into French society, where he did such things as hosted din dinners uh, that were attended by very prominent and famous people of the day, including Benjamin Franklin, as well as Antoine Lavoisier and others. Uh, he even gave potato blossoms to the king and queen. He did a number of things, basically trying to get the French people to notice and to accept the potato. Look, even the, even the royals are doing it. Um, but here's a particularly interesting anecdote from that time period. Uh, around uh, a Parmentier's own personal potato patch at Sablon, he posted armed guards during the day to guard the potatoes and then withdrew the guards at night so that people could come and steal them. Because if there are armed guards around a particular plot of land, well, whatever is growing there must be valuable. He's guarding it so people would come and steal them. He, in fact, apparently, allegedly gave his guards instructions to let anyone at any time, day or night, to steal as many potatoes as they wanted and or to bribe the guards with whatever bribe, large or small, all bribes must be accepted and let people take the potatoes. The whole thing was, of course, just a ruse in order to get people to desire the potatoes. What do people desire more than something that they can't have? They post guards around it. Oh, everybody must, this must be such a valuable thing. Well, I'm going to get some for myself. And I don't know if it was just that trick or the combination of all Parmentier's tricks or the fact that uh, uh, Louis XVI actually himself uh, gave a personal stamp of approval to the potato shortly before being beheaded. <laughs> but all of those factors combined and ultimately a few years into the revolutionary France, uh, even the revolutionaries were allowed to eat potatoes and encouraged to eat potatoes. So eventually the potato did gain acceptance in France. Now, again, it's an intriguing part of that story that if you put armed guards around something, well, people are going to desire it. You can create an artificial desire by creating artificial demand. Oh, everybody's trying to get it. I better stop people from getting it. Hey, wh what's everybody trying to get? I want it. If this tactic sounds familiar, then good. Points, extra points for you. You are probably hearkening back to episode 191 of the Corporate Report podcast, which was originally posted back in 2011, although a video editor Brock West did do a, an update last year that was posted to the Corporate Report Extras channel, uh, where I went through this tactic of creating artificial scarcity in order to create artificial or to create very real demand, or the impression of artificial demand, which creates real demand. And I talked about that at some length, and I talked about the various ways that was implemented, from the lowly McRib, oh, it's only available for a special select short time, guys, we better get it while it's here, all the way up to much more insidious tactics, like the tactics that have been used to sell the public on things like vaccines. 
Good morning, uh, Rory Lansman. I'm a member of the New York State uh, Assembly. We had a hearing, a 12-hour hearing on H1N1 earlier this week, and much of it focused on the, the mandatory vaccination that the New York State Department of Health has ordered of almost all health uh, care workers in New York State. And I was wondering if uh, you could offer an opinion on whether you think such a policy is, uh, is effective and, and sound. I have a very strong opinion, <laughs> and that is, I think that's appropriate. It's an interesting question, though. Would you uh, be against mandating? Well, I, uh, I think this is very interesting because, I mean, for, for, especially for the healthcare worker example, I mean, there, there are many, many good reasons why healthcare workers should be considered immunization for their own safety, but also for, to protect and, and first do no harm to the patients that they are treating. Um, having said that, does it work to mandate? I think what would work better would be to, to if they to say that there was a shortage and people tend to line up more for, for something that's in demand. <laughs> we saw that there was one season where really people lined up all night right. to get a flu shot, and uh, I mean, well, there is a shortage. So no, actually, because we only need we thought we were going to need two doses per every adult, and it turns out we only need one dose. So actually, we have twice as many doses and enough for the whole population at this point. Krista Albert was hoping to get a flu shot today. Yeah, it was too much. Um, with two little ones, I can't wait in line for hours, and I think it's worse to stay out in the cold. Albert saw the crowds, turned around, and left. Calgary's H1N1 vaccination clinics opened for the first time this morning at 8.30, with long lineups at all four sites. And there's four places for a million people in Calgary to get an immunization shot. Surely we could do better than that for a million people, one in each quadrant. Being this is such a dangerous flu, I would say definitely they should have had many more clinics. A city of a million people and there's only four clinics. Um, I'd like to know what Brainiac decided on that. <laughs> oh, my dear confused fellow Calgarian, yes, you may scoff at the Brainiacs who didn't quite plan on all this demand for the flu vaccine, but I think you've been played in all of this. And that's precisely the point. Putting up armed guards around a potato field to make people believe that the potato is very valuable, and therefore I want it. Or, as it were, making sure there are big, long, visible lineups for that flu vaccine to make sure Everybody knows everybody wants the flu vaccine. Have you got yours yet? Oh, it's such a simple trick, but it is exceptionally effective time after time after time. And if you do not know about this trick and are not on guard for it, it can be used against you. So I will wholeheartedly recommend people who haven't seen that podcast or heard that podcast, go check it out, episode 191 on how to spin gold from straw. Again, it's very simple, but very devastatingly effective. And if we are not aware of it, we cannot be on guard against it, because it has been and will be used to sell us things we don't need and things that can actively do us harm time and time and time again. And uh, eventually it will be used to sell us on all the goo-gads and gadgets of the technocratic police state that uh, make us literally buy the, the things which are tying us into the grid, the surveillance grid uh, that we are being chained to. Alexa, order me a dollhouse! It is nonsense, but it works. So, think about that the next time you enjoy a potato. Food for thought. 
How do you like them apples? <laughs> James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. I immediately regret this decision.